c'est vrai. Je suis un ananas. Now, in the uh, towers of uh, Edmonton... I'm not a Tory. I don't speak on both sides. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict of crack cocaine. Everybody. Welcome back to Fat, French, and Fabulous. This is going to be our first episode of the year, of 2018. Hooray! It is the year it is, yes? That is, yes, it is excellent. that year. We're not quite that backwards. <laughs> oh, good, thank you. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I mess up in French and, like, I will just, like, state a completely off year. Like, I'll, I'll just say that, like, oh yeah, the year 1012. And people are what? like, um, <laughs> oh, okay. But that's because, like, the French numerical system does not make any sense. Like, the literal translation of 97 is for 2017. Yep. But the real explanation is because you are secretly a caveman frozen in a block of ice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I walk in the space between spaces. I am outside of time. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm secretly just an extremely confused accidental immortal <laughs> trying to get along in a in a world very different from the one I was born into. It's like that sh- TV show we all grew up watching as kids, Yvonne of the Yukon. Did you watch that as a child? I did watch Yvonne of the Yukon. I think all Canadian that was a strange show. All Canadian children's television is just designed to fuck up children irreparably. Yeah. Our our intro has like a little clip from a terrifying Quebec public access television show, which is why we put it on there. Oh, yeah, Téléfrancais. <laughs> yeah, that, like, oui, c'est vrai, je suis nanana that we put at the beginning of this yeah. podcast. Yeah, it's just it's just there. That is like the can- it, is, it is like a francophone version, like a Franco-Canadian version of Sesame Street, which features a talking pineapple puppet that lives in a dump and talks to children. Yeah, it's the acid nightmare you would have if a francophone watched Sesame Street while under the influence. Not every Canadian grew up seeing this show, but, like, I have met several people, and I've mentioned this Telefrancais to them. I'm like, oh yeah, there's just this pineapple puppet that lives in a dump. No, it's true. And they're just like, wait, that was real? Yeah. Like, they had watched it as children, and then they had no conception that that was actually a real thing that had happened. Even if you don't watch <laughs> like, it on television. It just television. felt like a fever dream. Yeah, it, it does. Like, even every Canadian child has seen it. Because even if you don't tune to it on television, it comes to you at night. In your nightmares. <laughs> We've all seen it's it. Just, it's just a psychic scream of all the children trapped in French class. Yeah. <laughs> who have been forced to watch this show. Like, in elementary school, Canadian schools are sort of obsessed with this idea of, like, what is Canadian culture? We've adapted so many things from the Americans. Like, what is Canadian culture? Canadian culture is just waking up for an, from an elaborate nightmare where a pineapple crawls out of a dump and starts talking to you about life. And you just have to go about your life with this inside you. Pretending that it yeah. never happened. That's Canadian culture. It's just all of us trying to go to work and feed our families and ignore the fact that a nightmare about pineapples comes to us in our waking hours. <laughs> and and one of the strange things about that particular quote is it's actually part of, like, a Colombian chant. 
It is. Like, Columbia is in, like, the university you go to, not any other Columbia. <laughs> I was gonna say, I doubt. wait, the country? No, that doesn't seem right at all. I, I, I doubt there's any, like, Colombian drug lords <laughs> chanting about being bananas in French. Sorry, wait. being... Pineapples, pineapples in French. No, that's that's another confusing thing about it. It's just this is just a quirk of the French language. But na 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 is not a banana. Mm. It's a pineapple. Although, although, in the defense of the French language, we're actually weird for calling them pineapples. No, in it's most true. languages, it is closer to anana than not. And then we were like, ah, here's a thing that neither resembles nor tastes like pine nor an apple. It is both. <laughs> it is both. <laughs> it is. It is pokey fruit pineapple. Perfect. There you Perfect. go. Perfect. No, it's true. Yeah. The um, the Columbia University marching band, which I joined because why wouldn't I join a marching band that has a toilet seat player, um, <laughs> has this chant that they... Who is not the band director, just to specify. Uh, just to be clear. It was at one point, though. Mm. There has there yeah, we all play the toilet seat. We deep have down. had multiple generations of of fine toilet seat players in the Columbia. It's an art. Band. It is an art, and they are artists. Mm. They suffer for what it they is do. A beautiful instrument, so nuanced. It's not so even clean. a purchased toilet seat. It was literally stolen from a stadium somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> disgusting. Uh, there's this like prayer that the band does before football games because we're all assholes but the prayer is just a jumbled bunch of spanish and french phrases and like the thing about the columbia university marching band is if you join it you they just sort of do things and you just have to sort of keep up nobody explains what's happening or warns you and so like my first football game they're doing this chant so you will often be confused deeply unprepared oh the whole point is that you're deeply unprepared you're just you're just going about your day, and then somebody's naked in a lake at two in the morning, and you just don't know what's happening. Um, and you just have to live with that. You just yeah, you just have to drug yourself to sleep at night. It's good. Um, mm-hmm. Just pretend that you're not a deeply changed person by what you've seen and what you've done. Isn't that just life? But uh, this prayer we do is just like a, it's just a jumbled bunch of common Spanish and French phrases. But the first time I was doing it, out of nowhere, it just starts chanting things from this fucking Canadian children's television show. <laughs> it's they just start going like uh, les ananas, le danse pas, les ananas, parachute pas, like which literally means pineapples don't dance and pineapples don't jump. Parachute. Para- oh, no, pa- parachute. parachute. Of course. Yeah, they just start... Which is verbatim from the first episode of the show. They just start <laughs> chanting this. This is a bunch of American kids who didn't have to grow yeah. up with this nightmare in their subconscious dancing before their eyes. The pineapple has not been screaming at them every night and every day for all of their tiny ch- like their tiny Canadian childhoods. They have no conception of what this means. They don't, like, only a handful of them know what it even comes from, but I just, like, froze, and it just you just feel your blood run cold, and you're like, oh god, it's found me. <laughs> this, the nightmare. It's like how a rabbit feels when it sees the shadow of a hawk. <laughs> oh, in the first um, Nightmare on Elm Street... There's this, you know, they, spoiler alert for a movie that came out before any of us were born, but, um, Mm. you know, they, they go and they defeat Freddy Krueger, and then at the end of the movie, they all get into their car to drive to school, and the hood of the car comes up, and it's Freddy Krueger's colors, 
and it turns out that like they've just they didn't really defeat Freddy Krueger they've just been living in the dream all along and he came back for them and that's what it felt like to hear this chant again that like my entire <laughs> I've been dreaming this entire yeah, time my entire life between like my childhood of like somehow being exposed to a public access French children's show about a pineapple like you know my my middle school high school years my college years yeah, my that. first job moving to new york city graduate school all of that was just an elaborate fever dream to lure me into a false sense of security so that the pineapple could come and get me when i was least expecting it you, at, at any moment you're gonna wake up and you're still gonna be 12 and there's gonna be just be like a pineapple leering at you <laughs> from the dump <laughs> I don't think it even taught life lessons. I think it was just terrifying and just lured children. That's all it really did. I, I think the purpose of it was to, like, repeat set French phrases in a way that was intended to teach children, but just bewildered and terrified them. Isn't that what we always do with children's television? All children's television is inherently terrifying. Yeah. Who created Courage the Cowardly Dog and then was like, yeah, that's fine. That won't yeah. fuck up children for years to come. They won't wake up screaming next in bed next to their wives 20 years from now and not know what it is. Oh, absolutely not. A lot of children's television falls into the well into the uncanny valley where the logic it runs by does not quite it closely matches dream logic and it doesn't make sense upon waking. It's it's yeah, it's gen a lot of it's genuinely terrifying. And like Sometimes with shows like uh, Adventure Time, people will mistake it for children's shows, but I kind of understand Adventure why, Time is not a goddamn children's, children's show. show. Holy fuck. It is not. But I do understand why people make that mistake, because normal baseline children's shows are kind of terrifying. Like, you know that one episode of Spongebob where, like... P and Patrick end up like staying on the bus too long and then end I was up in like the thinking trench. Well as soon as you mentioned SpongeBob, I was thinking of this exact episode. Where is oh, it they yeah. go? Like, they this don't is go a to traumatic episode. They go to Oh I'm just gonna type in scary SpongeBob episode and I'm sure it's gonna tell me. Oh, immediately. The, yeah, they go to a town that has has a different completely different name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they stayed on the bus too long. They, and like they, they had just been at to Glove World, like a theme park entirely based on gloves. Yes, I can't it was believe I remember all fucked this. up, so <laughs> fucked up. Rock Bottom. They end up in Rock Bottom. It was so disturbing. I have seen like adult horror movies where like people get gutted like fish, and people eat each other, and and like all of that, like in like. And nothing is as disturbing as that one episode of Spongebob. I, I can just imagine you, like, sitting in a dark room, just mindlessly watching gore, chasing that same rush you felt as a child, <laughs> watching Spongebob get off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> like some kind of fucking heroin Nothing's addict, like, chasing that first high. You could just never get it back. It's never like the first time. <laughs> that sweet hit. Oh, fuck. <laughs> like I like one of my favorite TV shows is literally Hannibal oh, based off of Hannibal the Cannibal and Silence of the Lambs and that shit is not nearly as disturbing as again that one episode of SpongeBob. Just the one. The other episodes are fine. Just the one. Yeah, like the range between like is mayonnaise an instrument and that nonsense is pretty broad. <laughs> <laughs> So you don't aspire to be a children's television writer is what you're telling me. I think I'd be good at it. 
I mean, I think I should be prevented at all costs. We should not let the rock bottom episode of SpongeBob ever happen again. But, like, <laughs> I'd be good at it. <laughs> just ruin children. Oh, just, like, absolutely devastate them emotionally. <laughs> okay, good. Well, now that we're on the topic of psychologically ruining people... Oh, by the way, um, hi, I'm Jessica. Yeah, I was gonna say, we didn't actually introduce this fucker. We're 12 minutes in. <laughs> um, it's, it's been a while since our last recording session. We just um, get so excited. I'm Janelle. Hi, and it's my fault it's been a long time since our last recording session. Yeah. Because You've I been was lost on an island. In the wilderness? <laughs> I have been in the woods for some time. No, I just I had like exams which were a thing that I had to study for. Uh, I learned the the biggest thing that I've learned in my time at Columbia is that if you stay up for 116 hours straight, you start to hallucinate. Ooh, fun. Which is fun. It's good. That's it's delightful. good. I was I was in my final lecture on forensic psychology and I was like actively hallucinating. <laughs> And I was, oh yeah, it was some, I was seeing some stuff. And I was trying to take notes, like, on what I thought was going on, and I've reread them. They, they're just literal gibberish. It was like... Just nonsense. Um, oh my god, yeah. Like, at one point, it, I don't even know what it was a lecture on. It was a lecture on psychopathy. And at one point, I wrote down, like, Jodie Foster needs a lawyer. Ha! <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> And just, there was some that were just collections of words. Like, just actual collections of words. Just and I could tell words and gibberish. No, absolutely. I don't know what the fuck I was going on about. At one point, there's just a list of names, and I don't, I don't know who any of those people are. But, like, the girl next to me could tell, like, that something was not okay <laughs> with me. And eventually, she was just so fascinated by what I was writing that she stopped paying attention to the lecture and started watching me write notes. <laughs> which only, like egged on my exhausted and ridiculous brain so i was like i'm gonna show you fucker i'm gonna take the best notes anyone's ever fucking taken <laughs> and they just got worse they're just i i kept them just for posterity but it's it's real bad oh you're gonna have Don't to show it. those to me because that sounds exciting just it's gonna take literal years to repair the damage i've done to my brain <laughs> <laughs> sleep deprivation um, on the one hand, I got a world-class education. On the other hand, I am deeply changed. <laughs> <laughs> I no longer see the same spectrum of colors that I used to, and I, I feel like that's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> the things I have done to my cerebellum, uh, I don't know if it's been worth it. <laughs> Every now and then I just speak Hungarian, and I don't I don't know Hungarian. I have a British accent just, now. I'm just confused. comes out. <laughs> yep. I'm going to be a deeply changed person by the end of next year. Yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> you can just follow this podcast and just watch me descend further and further into madness. The end of Janelle Como. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, the reason that we haven't recorded lately is because I went to visit my parents who live on an island in rural Nova Scotia. And it turns out that if you want internet access, you should not go to an island in rural Nova Scotia. Yeah, but you guys have like one router for the entire island? Yeah, we do. We share an internet connection. So if I want oh better boy. internet, I have to literally assassinate my neighbors. <laughs> which I am told is frowned upon. It's socially dubious. It's a bit of a faux pas. It's, it's rude. Yeah. It's a little rude. I was just watching one of my Steam games download at 16 kilobytes per second and trying to decide if life was worth living or not. Mm. Yes, I That's was, some dial-up shit right there. I was lying down with dogs. 
Oh, yeah. I did too when we lost power for three and a half fucking days. Did I mention rural Nova Scotia? See, I was doing Not it for a place physical for... <laughs> contact and companionship. I think you were doing it to survive the night. <laughs> That's true. They're lucky I did not crawl inside them like a tauntaun. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're at. But we're back now. Yes. Here we are. I am back in Manhattan where there is at least internet and civilization and pizza. It's a It's a good place. I mean, sure. Your apartment has been approximately the temperature of the ambient outside, but close enough. That's true. For reasons unknown to me, it is approximately 13 degrees in my apartment. Mm. It was 11 when I woke up this morning. It's brisk. Yeah, it is amazing to me that it is the same temperature in your apartment as it is outside of mine (laughs) here in Canada. Well, if you live in Manhattan and you are broke and you have both running water and heat... You're probably hallucinating. Mm. Which, I mean, one of the advantages of Columbia as a, as a university. Absolutely. If you hallucinate hard enough, you can pretend that all your utilities work at once. That's Yay, the real American dream. The <laughs> constant stress and sleep deva- deprivation hallucinations that make you think you've really made it in life. I'm 90% sure that I live in a renovated crack house because nobody will deliver to this address. <laughs> It's fun. It's a good place. Cost me less than a thousand dollars a month to live here. It's all I want. Damn. <laughs> Excellent. Hot well, people piece of retail right there. Oh yeah, you're. You'll see. You'll be here in a month. Yeah, I'm excited. It's, it's good. It's good. Don't don't park your bike on the street. Anyway, like <laughs> eighteen minutes. It's all the advice Main I can topic. give you. Woohoo! All right, we're going to the topic. It's thanks for sticking with us, and uh, now that you've been caught up on our fascinating lives, um, it is a Janelle week, which whoop, whoop. means you need. Oh yeah, buckle murder, up, fuckers! Murder, murder! Oh yeah, how did you know? Yay, murder! You always get me what That's... I want. Oh, there's a lot there. Mm. There's a lot there. <laughs> you just know me so well. <laughs> The fact that you chant murder, murder, murder in a childlike voice and I continue Yay! to call you on a regular basis. I'm not sure which of us is crazier. Yeah. By the way, most of the sound effects you hear, they aren't post-production. They're me making mouth sounds. What do you mean most? Are you adding sound effects in post? <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> like, informing the audience that anything that isn't like uh, a kick-ass dubstep solo or a p- talking pineapple or a former Canadian politician is definitely me ma- doing an impression. Ah. <laughs> I was going to say, you're putting way more work into editing this thing than I am if you're adding sound effects. <laughs> I mostly just like cut out all of the obvious technical glitches and the moments when our roommates tell us to shut up. <laughs> I spend a lot of time Let's making see. myself seem to stammer less. So, this week we are doing an obscure case from Kansas City in the 1930s called The Mystery of Room 1046, which will be familiar Mm. to you if you follow weird crime podcasts, but otherwise probably not. Mm. It's a little niche. It's a little niche. So this case has been more or less lost to time and to the fact that no one gives a fuck about what happens in Kansas City. (laughs) No one. Which is a shame. people from Kansas City give a fuck what happens in Kansas City. Yeah, the average person thinks it's in Kansas, because that would make sense. <laughs> but it's not. It's in Missouri, you uneducated fucks. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. This is this case makes is in sense Missouri. America. Yeah, why? Why is Kansas City in Missouri? Do you love Kansas so much you needed more of it? Mm. No. Kansas should be contained. Yeah, like, wh- why did Kansas need, like, the, the, the municipal equivalent of a cover band? <laughs> 
in 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 Missouri. <laughs> in Missouri. Like Missouri, An almost equally terrible place. Yeah, Missouri, you should love yourself for what you are, or not, whatever. Which is not Kansas. Which is not Kansas. All you need to be is not Kansas. You Feel should, better about yourself. You should appreciate the fact that you're not Kansas. You should cling to that. <laughs> I've literally never Don't been to we Kansas. All? No, I never. I never want to. I, I I abuse it entirely out of ignorance and apathy. <laughs> It's just tornadoes and people who think the dinosaurs are fake. Mm. So, you know, no thank you. Um, So this crime happened to take place at a time when there was a lot going on in the world, and a mysterious death in Kansas City just wasn't that interesting. Not not on everybody's radar. No, not so much. Well, it should have been, but it's just there there was some steep competition that week. So this was 1935, which is the height of the Great Depression. Fun time. The entire country still couldn't decide if they wanted to drink alcohol or not. Um, Bob Hope was on the radio. Amelia Earhart was getting ready to make her first nonstop flight from Hawaii to California. I bet that turned out Uh, well. I mean, she did make that one successfully, but my, like, only question when I read this is, like, where do you stop Mm. between Hawaii and California? Do you just set down in the ocean real quick? Like, what? I presume there are what some is, islands somewhere. What is the alternative to a nonstop flight from Hawaii to California? I'm sure somebody's going to comment on the podcast to let us know, but I was mm. I was curious, but not curious enough to Google it. We don't care, internet. Uh, we just, we don't care. Don't bother um, telling us. Importantly, though, there was, like, a lot of crime news the week that this happened. So the week this murder happened um, was also the trial of the Lindbergh baby kidnapper. Oh, yeah. I was wondering if you were going to mention the Lindbergh baby. I'm like, wasn't that around the same time? I am mentioning the Lindbergh. It was. It was the exact same time. So that was literally making national news headlines daily. And that was the only crime news anyone gave a fuck about. Mm. And then in, it wasn't even the most interesting thing going on in Kansas City itself. Because that was the week of the trial for the Kansas City Massacre. Um, which was a big thing that we could go into in a future episode, but it was people kind were. Of a deal. It was a thing. It was, it was thing. bad. Um, it was getting a lot of attention. So this case kind of fell through the cracks, both like nationally and. It wasn't Hollywood. No, it it is now. I don't mm. understand why there's not more attention to it now. But most of the information that I got on this case comes directly from sources in the Kansas City Library archives, because again, there just hasn't been that much interest in the case from mainstream crime publications yeah. and um interestingly enough the guy who wrote up the archive the guy who wrote up the the write-up on the case has a personal connection to the case that i will get into at the end probably of part two this is we we spent 18 minutes riffing on pineapples so this is this is definitely yeah, going yeah. to be part two we did, we did an in-depth <laughs> recap of a spongebob episode that like i think came out when i was 12 if not earlier <laughs> Uh, this is not going to be concise. <laughs> but we learned why Jessica screams herself to unconsciousness every night. So that's a valuable thing. I mean, thing. I just think it's a good exercise. <laughs> really, really stretches the lungs. Mm, works those vocal cords. <laughs> I don't... I think that's how you end up sounding like fucking Rod Stewart <laughs> in old age. <laughs> I don't think that's good for you. <laughs> I I really I really just wanted to be the lead of an a- uh, ACDC cover band. <laughs> You'll get there. It's just cigarettes and screaming. <laughs> I'm going You'll to have an there. unparalleled cover of Highway to Hell. <laughs> hey, Brian Johnson's out. He went deaf, so there's an opening. Yeah, I'm ready. Put me in, coach. <laughs> Jesus 
Christ. <laughs> if I start hosting this podcast alone, it's because Jessica's touring the fucking world with ACDC. Either that or I've torn a ligament in my neck. <laughs> yeah, or she's in the hospital and we'll never speak again. It's 50-50, really. Yeah, every, time I, every time I talk, I bleed. It's fine. <laughs> she tried gargling with iron filings. Just the things went south <laughs> real fast. The things I do for art. Oh, God. So there's a little bit of a prologue to this murder story, as all good stories should have. Um, So the night of January 3rd, 1935, a man named Robert Lane was driving down 13th Street, which I don't know, maybe if you live in Kansas City, that means something to you. Mm. I don't think we have any listeners in Kansas City. I didn't check that hard, but. No, I don't think we have any from Kansas. We have a truly disturbing it's amount Missouri. From It's Missouri. It's Missouri. We just went over this. We just talked about this. We don't have any from Missouri either. <laughs> no, but we're like, all we all of our American Missouri. Kansas, you stay away. <laughs> all of our we American don't listeners. Need you. Yeah, they're either in New York City, which is just personal friends of mine that I bully into listening to this, or they're in I think yeah, largely Tennessee. I don't know mm. how we got big in Tennessee. Mm. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah, so I have, tell um, us who you are, please. Please interact with us on social media. We are genuinely curious. We spend a lot of nights being like, who the fuck are these yeah. people? What is this massive number of people from this one town in town? Te- I don't understand, but I'm glad you're here. It's Johnson City. It's a fairly large yeah. city, but I don't understand. There's, there's apparently quite a few of you. Mm. Um, but yeah, so Robert Lane yeah. was driving down... Th- 13th street just before 11 p.m when he noticed a man running toward him wearing only trousers shoes and an undershirt which isn't like really january in missouri type outfit no 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 you'd be a little a little cold a bit chilly i mean like it's not an insane outfit if you were like just stepping outside to get the paper in 1935 though a man running around in an undershirt is scandalous oh absolutely he is Abso- he is showing off his his nethers and small clothes to the community. <laughs> what if a woman saw the outline of his nipples? <laughs> I've seen Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. She could never marry. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have to throw her out. <laughs> She's no good. Get, a new- Get another one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I was born after the women are chewed gum era of human history. <laughs> so good. There are some echoes of it. Let's not get (laughs) too cocky. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not declared socially undesirable if I see a man's nipples before I'm lawfully wedded to him. (laughs) Once you're married to those nipples, they're all yours, ladies. See, I'm I'm just excited that I was uh, that that I existed after the invention of the uh, of the sports bra. Good. And also the convention of women marrying men, because yeah. that would have gone horrendously sideways for the man. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be inflicted on. Like, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say that like he wouldn't be lucky to have me, but uh, I, I'm, I'm not thinking it's the, it's the most fruitful of matches. <laughs> <laughs> Just some poor emasculated man shivering in the cold. She makes me sleep on the driveway. <laughs> Yeah, I we were discussing this earlier, but like sometimes when I am talking to a new fellow in my life 
and and I'm just being very friendly. Sometimes I will just like stop and like carefully signal that I'm not interested in men, and I can literally see them unclench. <laughs> Sphincters relax. Oh, just like oh, thank God. <laughs> See, that's kind of, like, the fun thing about living in New York City. Like, I'm not very good at telling when I'm being hit on. Mm. Like, in any format, in person, over the phone, via text message. No, but, like, New York City, nobody's got fucking time for that. People are very direct. Ain't nobody got time for that shit. Nobody got time for that. So I was, I'll be, like... I got places to be. This happens all the time. I'll be, like, there is... I don't know. I'm just... I'm somebody's type here in New York. Mm. Um, There's just more people. You get hit on more. I was, like, just sitting in a Statistically, cafe. you will appeal to somebody. You gotta. It's a numbers game. And there's a lot of fucking people in Manhattan. I was writing this podcast. I was writing notes for this podcast, like, weeks ago. And I was sitting in this cafe. And this guy just comes, sits at my table, and is like, Hey, baby, you want to fuck a tall black man? I was like, mm, not at this moment. And he was like, all right. And he just Tempting leaves. offer. <laughs> all right. Nope. God, we settled. I mean, he was like, all right. Took off. All right. Legitimate. See you later. <laughs> like, not now. <laughs> it, it just happens. I was at the public library. I was just, I was taking photos of the stone lions in front of the library. This man walks up. He's like, hey, you want to fuck a Latino? I'm like, why is this a thing? Why do we open with this? Is this just the line you just open with your race and just, just I don't know. Does it have to be you? Yeah. Can I fuck a different Latino? I don't know. <laughs> is this like is this just like a general offer or is this are you dis- are, is do you mean you? Like Are one, you taking a survey? Yeah, one, why the emphasis on your ethnicity? Two, why the third person intro? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just glad my mom doesn't listen to this podcast. Mm. Yeah, it, it's it's <laughs> kind of interesting because it's like you know, like, hey, toots, you want you want you want to fuck a black guy and then you you're just like, uh, no thank you and they're like your loss, and like they just move on. I just it's like the black admirable. man in this scenario has the accent of a seventy-year-old white bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> Don't all people in New York have like a vaguely, vaguely Jewish accent? I don't know. No, no. The only professions in which the Brooklyn accent survives are transit workers and firemen. They exclusively <laughs> have Brooklyn accents. Everyone else, it's sort of faded, but they. It it's going strong. You'll see. That's a shame. I was really looking forward to just that that accent specifically. No, no, no you'll hear I'm it. You take a lot of transit in New York. Ah, beautiful. If there's anything beautiful. I love more than strange accents, it is transit. And I understand that that sounds sarcastic, but I love transit. <laughs> this will be your favorite of all transit. More than I love the t- like my mother's touch, I love transit. Okay. It's this transit, this... then my mom, then cake, and then other human beings. I have a list. I haven't checked on you in a while. That was a eh, mistake. Eh. That was a mistake. <laughs> the pure mutations and mutations my mind has gone through in the meantime have been vast. <laughs> I'm just going to start your eulogy. Jessica died doing what she loved, hugging the front end of a train. <laughs> <laughs> Take me to Valhalla, westbound <laughs> north. Oh fuck, we're so off topic. Um, <laughs> I'm literally still on page one. This is a, this has been a disaster. Um, <laughs> we're not doing okay. <laughs> we're not doing well tonight. Um, so strange man in the nipply undershirt waved down Robert Lane. 
and was shouting at him. And when Lane stopped, the man apologized and said that he mistook Lane's car for a taxi. I don't know what the fuck he was driving. Mm. And then he asked for a ride to the taxi stand. Lane agreed, and he told the man, you look as if you've been in it bad. That's a direct quote. You look as if you've been in it bad. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's how they talk in Missouri. The man replied, I'll kill that blank tomorrow. Regrettably, what? the yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's also a direct quote. The original expletive has been forever lost to time because the newspaper that reported this just printed a long dash instead of the word. So I I genuinely don't know what he put in there. It's I'll just kill that. too coy to be ex- to tell us what exactly the just give us a letter was. Give us a hint, man. Like what? Yeah. I'll kill that fucker tomorrow. I'll kill that motherfucker tomorrow. Was that a yeah. word that they used in 1935? I don't know. I it's pretty obscene, but like. I'm also just like, it couldn't be anything behind that. I don't know what the people of the 30s were shy about. Like, I'll kill that bitch tomorrow because that just changes the whole dynamic. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's just a lot of information depending on, like, what obscenity you use. What did he say? I need to know. This, but, is, like, this is the... The people of the 1930s, like, even if it was, like, Frigger or something, like, minced like that, they'd probably also censor it. That's true. That's true. I'll ki- I'll I'll kill that cur tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, like, heavens. Oh, that's a bit. That's a bit far. <laughs> heaven to be- heavens to Betsy. And then they. However, like, the N word. Oh yeah, they will just put the N word in the paper. No <laughs> problem. Headline front and center. Racial slurs. Bring them on. The word heck. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. That's too you wash far. that mouth out with soap. <laughs> Fuck. Times what they have time. changed. Oh, God. Um, So when the man got into the car, Lane noticed that he had a deep scratch on his left arm, and the man had his hands cupped as if he was trying to catch blood pouring from a more serious wound, which is a great thing to notice. Into the car after he said that? I mean, they had leather upholstery back then. It was easy to clean. I guess. You'd never let anyone in your car like that with cloth upholstery. Oh, my goodness. Get out. Heaven forbid. Outside. You can can hold on to the bumper and I'll drag you. Yeah. So as soon as they reached the taxi stand, the man hopped out, ran to the cab, opened the driver's door, and then just started laying on the horn until the driver came out of a nearby restaurant. Okay. Rude. Uh, rude, first of all. God, just so many things have changed since the 1930s. <laughs> yeah, like, did he not lock the doors of his cab? <laughs> Could they lock doors back then? Was it more of an honor system? I don't really know. Trust just- in times. So you know, like few somebody people mentions, owned like, cars. They're going to they're going to like kill that blank tomorrow, and you still let them in the car. <laughs> oh yeah, it's the neighborly thing to do. Oh yeah, I mean you already agreed to it. You you're a man of your word. I mean, like I don't really. Your honor. Oh, absolutely not. But like in modern times, jumping into an empty cab and honking the horn repeatedly just feels like a felony. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> just, you just don't. Even if it's not against the law, it seems like it would, like, incite a lynch mob. Yeah, like, I live above a taxi stand, and if anybody fucking tries this, I am going downstairs with a rolling pin. <laughs> you're just gonna find the first heavy object to hand, and you're gonna, you're gonna deal with this. You're gonna it deal is a with... cast iron frying pan. Mm-hmm. You're gonna deal that with is... this vigilante style. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going out the fucking fourth floor window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This oh, is no, the real reason why Defenders is set in New York City. Just, you know, New Yorkers are very willing to take things into their own hands. It's true. Like, once you, like, move here, you're just, like, you know, in, in Edmonton, I was, like, you know, it's fairly independent, but, like, I'd call for help. And now I'm just, you know, if, if something happens, you know, you call the exterminator, you call the plumber. 
Oh no! Now something happens, I will take care of that fucking shit myself. Yeah. I will beat You're a, a man-sized rat to death. No <laughs> You're problem. A hardened woman. Hardened. <laughs> I really just like want to get grazed by a taxi so I can viciously punch the hood and say, "I'm walking here." Yeah. It'll that's, happen. That's the true height of New Yorkerness. Just... Oh, and it's it's gonna happen because we all just run out into traffic, yeah. L- lashing out physically at an actual machine. <laughs> That's how it goes. I'm just gonna viciously kick a crane one day. Mm. Excellent. Show it who's boss. The I'm crane. still king over the machines. <laughs> we still control you. I have a brain. Ah, suck it. Uh, so the day before this whole encounter between Robert Lane and the mysterious bleeding man happened on Wednesday, January 2nd, 1935 at around 1.20 p.m. in the afternoon which that was redundant Mm. (laughs) thanks notes (laughs) tired (laughs) it's only 3.37 in the morning Um, a man with no luggage checked into the hotel president at 14th and Baltimore because everything in Kansas City, Missouri is just named after a different place (laughs) They have a real identity crisis. We've got all the are cities in here. Are you Maryland? Are you Kansas? Or are you Missouri? Why Just would you need to go you anywhere else? You don't need to leave. We got everything right here. You want Baltimore? We got Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> it's their strategy for retaining youth. I don't know. They just trick people to come there. <laughs> Just out of confusion. <laughs> well, I mean, North Dakota was willing to blast people's faces into a mountain to make people visit them, so this is mm. way more innocuous. This is this is a little more proportional. <laughs> uh, so the man checked in and signed his name as Roland T. Owen and said he was from Los Angeles. Um, witnesses seem to not disagree on how old he was. Estimates sort of range from about 20 to 35. Um, but what he was distinctive about range. him... Bit of a range. Um, he had a cauliflower ear, which is something that uh, our younger listeners... You get if you get punched. Yeah, I was going to say, like, our younger listeners won't ever have seen one because we make people wear helmets now yeah. to do things where you get punched in the ear. But basically, your ear is not good at getting punched. No, it is a and if delicate you do flower decide, on the side of your head. Yeah, don't punch your no, ear. Don't punch um, your ear. But if, if you do let somebody punch your ear... Um, repeatedly. Because repeatedly... Uh, you'll break a bunch of the capillaries in there and you just end up with this horrific lumpen ghastly <laughs> yeah just this chunk of ear flesh that kind of looks like cauliflower yeah. and then it just sort of stays that way until you get it drained if you can get it drained sometimes you're just stuck like mm. that with your nasty horror ear if you you know don't value sleep or holding your lunch down you can find pictures and videos of these things yeah. people still get them it's blunt force trauma to the ear, but yeah, you don't want them. They used to be a much more common yeah, thing. Yeah, like, uh, it, it's like notoriously that's a description of, like, uh, professional boxers is they'd have cauliflower ears. It was also a common enough childhood thing mm-hmm. when we let, think, not just let, when we encouraged boys to just solve all of their differences with bare knuckled <laughs> fighting. Back in the day where, like, you were just expected to bite your friend at least once during childhood. Just a good natured scrap behind the bleachers. Mm. Fun stuff. Like men. Absolutely. Isn't it Just weird fuck that like, up your ears. men have such shorter lifespan than the women? Weird, huh? No. No. <laughs> no. No. Absolutely not. My brother once wanted to actually go out into the woods with food so that he could lure a grizzly bear close enough to punch it. <laughs> that was his goal. 
We were camping in Jasper, and his only goal was to prove that he'd worked out so much that he was now physically capable of fighting a bear. Well, and he could well, not be talked out of it. How old was he? Oh, God, he was, like, 18 oh, at the boy. time? <laughs> oh, like, old enough to know that you shouldn't punch old a bear. Enough to, old enough that he should know, not old enough that he does. No, teenagers are stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why men don't live as long. Yep. Um, but Owen also had a distinctive horizontal scar on the side of his scalp, right above his ear, which he combed his hair over to hide. Um, he was dressed nicely. It was apparently wearing a black overcoat, and he specifically requested an interior room several floors up. That was his thing. Odd. Most people don't Odd. want interior rooms. That's just it. Like, who specifically... You want a window air? I don't Mm. know. Just feels like a storage room. Yeah, like, generally speaking, like, rooms without windows on the inside of the building are the least desirable rooms because they're fucking claustrophobic. Yeah, I, like, the apartment that I lived in in Edmonton, you'll remember, Mm. had, like, beautiful windows in the bedrooms, but then I had this dark, ominous kitchen with no windows. Oh, yeah, super, super dark, especially because it had a very high ceiling... With uh, halogenic lights, which was painted black, that were extremely the ceiling was to black. <laughs> oh, that's true. I was too short to replace the lights, and um, the guy I lived with just didn't want to do it. So we just lived in the dark for two years. That was fun. Fun stuff. If you're five foot two, maybe light bulbs that burn out every forty six hours and are twelve feet off the ground are just not for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. That's. Th- like, That's not the interior decorating choice you need to make. Maybe you need something with a little more staying power so that you don't have to, like, <laughs> tempt death and dismemberment by, like, climbing up a ladder once once a week. Honestly, more efficient to just light your fucking house with candles. Yeah. Don't don't go for halogen floodlights. That's my, that's my design advice unwise. of the day. Nope. Not good. And expensive. Um, very expensive. Holy fuck. Uh... So, Owen was given the keys to room 1046, hence Mystery 1046. We can already <laughs> guess that Owen... Nothing good is going to happen to R- Roland T. Owen. Yeah, this is not a, this is not an auspicious beginning. <laughs> no. Not... No. You don't become a famous true crime story because you just went to a hotel and had a grand time. <laughs> Usually not. <laughs> no. Um, so, a bellboy named Randolph Propst was sent up with him to show him the way to his room... Because, holy shit, they believed in customer service back then. Yeah, yeah. It's also funny because, like, half the jobs in this story no longer exist. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is great. Weird. But, yeah, basically, if you checked into a hotel in 1935, they helped you do everything. Oh, I bet. They be- I bet they carry your luggage up for you. I bet they showed you the room. I don't know. Did they have, like automatic elevators at this time or is this still like somebody like attendance no there's an elevator attendant in this story oh, yeah absolutely. there's an attendant in this story uh no now they just fucking wheel you out a cart and just have at it fuckers i bet they like crush ice by hand or at the very least like in person in this era <laughs> <laughs> they just feed you from their open mouths yeah. like you're a baby bird <laughs> I just Room I can't figure just out if it wanders just... in like tucks you into bed and like and then kisses kisses your cheek. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly can't figure out if this is just because they really believed in customer service or labor or because was the that average... damn cheap. Labor was cheap or because the average person was 10 IQ points dumber. 
and they were afraid that if they didn't show you your room, you would just eternally wander the halls and become the new fucking poltergeist. <laughs> Either or. <laughs> you just haunt the place. <laughs> so, on the way up to the room, Owen told the bellboy that he'd spent the previous night in a hotel whose name, I assume, just sounds like a throat being cleared. It's called the Mühlebach. Yeah, the Mühlebach. Brace yourself. M-U-E-H-L-E-B-A-C-H. Oh, Mühlebach. That makes sense. It still sounds like phlegm. Oh, uh, yeah. Just it's, a glob it's of very phlegm. German. <laughs> um, he was outraged with this phlegm hotel because they had the gall to charge him $5 for the room. My goodness. Yeah, which in today's money is $80, kind of. What? That doesn't even, that yeah, doesn't it's, even it's, sound a lot. It's not a lot for a hotel oh, room, which is why I said kind of. Because apparently, like, it's not really that easy to track the change in currency right, value yeah. from 1935 to now. Because different goods and services have changed in value mm. over time. So apparently hotel rooms are a thing that used to be quite cheap. Just as a rule. Mm. And are now outlandishly expensive it, never mind like the the fact that like we haven't intended to bring you to your room an elevator attendant you know an, an ice an ice chipper and uh, a woman who feeds you from her mouth like a baby bird like it's was still cheaper i know i'm kind of outraged yeah. now they charge you an exorbitant amount of money no one ever so chews my food your for own. me god i hate yeah. it although i do end up in very expensive hotel rooms uh usually because like I, I go to conferences where, like, someone else is paying, and they're paying to impress me. And, like, they seem That's to have true. no conception of the fact that I will literally just sleep in any old dump. Like, when I when I book accommodations <laughs> for myself, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll stay in a $20 room with, like, eight other people. That seems reasonable to me. Oh, what's for breakfast? A bowl of 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 gr straight Greek yogurt. Yeah, well, that works. <laughs> An actual dumpster? just drag a mattress into the parking sure. lot. I'll sleep there. <laughs> just just drag an old mattress into the parking yeah, lot. But like the other day when That's I was I when I was like attending a conference in 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 Montreal, they're just like, oh yeah, here's this fancy hotel with just like two bottles of seven dollar Evian in the <laughs> in, in in the mini bar, and I'm like. Okay. <laughs> well, that's true. Jessica has a real life where she doesn't make jokes about murder on the internet and she goes to conferences. We both have real lives where we have very serious careers. <laughs> and then once a week we just laugh about murder. Yeah. Oh yeah, like there there I have that's an great. actual I have an actual like message in my inbox a, a, an important person with a doctorate who runs a think tank is asking me what I think about employment numbers, and I'm just like, Zzz. and then I'm here. <laughs> I don't wanna laughing at dead people. <laughs> I just want to look up more weird shit to talk about. I don't want to do my real job. I need to do all my research on maple syrup. <laughs> oh fuck, that's buckle up for that one, mm. kids. <laughs> so when they reach the room. Owen placed all of his possessions in there, which was a black hairbrush, a black comb, and some toothpaste. No. That was it. That, that's Light. all the luggage. He didn't even bring a... Not even a toothbrush. Just toothpaste. I don't know what he was doing with it. Yeah, like... Just... I was, polishing just smearing it on. 
<laughs> I assume just like smeared it on with his thumb. Like maybe that was dental hygiene in 1935. I guess. <laughs> they smoked so many cigarettes. I guess you just have to eat it to even begin to counteract. <laughs> I mean, like if you expect to die at 60, how long do you even need your teeth? <laughs> Fuck. Actually, don't eat toothpaste. I ate large quantities of toothpaste as a child because I don't. I was just not good at things it took me a really long time it's it i've peaked at 25 but this was a long slog Um, and i have it was a slow crescendo yeah it's it's been a slow build-up but this is this is probably the peak um it's all down here hill from here yeah i have permanent fluoride stains on my teeth just from deposits of fluoride because i thought toothpaste was a delightful minty snack (laughs) and it's not don't eat toothpaste (laughs) So now my teeth are strange, and if I'm dehydrated, I have prominent white stains on my teeth. Mm, interesting. That's yeah, been fun science hour with Jill. <laughs> Don't eat toothpaste. Don't eat toothpaste. <laughs> I feel like if there's anyone in this world that I need to explain that to, though, it is you. <laughs> if anybody needs to be periodically phoned to be told these things are edible and these things are not edible... It is Jessica Pigeot. Yeah. I mean, like, y- you probably do have to explain don't eat toothpaste to someone who would eat actual paste. <laughs> I feel like every now and then I should just text you, like, Jessica, don't eat your fucking keys. Mmm, <laughs> but they're so metally, and I do need to improve my iron. <laughs> Gotta donate blood. Mm, I'm so excited <laughs> to give people my blood. Oh, this is such a recurring theme. It's 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 going to be a bright, oh. brilliant day the the day I have enough iron in my blood to justify giving it to other people. Okay, we're gonna sign you up for some kickboxing or something. <laughs> just gotta get you out of the house more. Just work off that energy. Uh, oh God! So once Owen had placed all three of the things that he owned on the sink. Uh, the two men left the room, and Owen neglected to lock it because I guess he just didn't care he doesn't own anything mm. Again, um, a trusting the bellboy a very trusting child. well it wasn't because the bellboy asked if he could go back and lock the door for owen mm. and owen gave him the keys to go do it because the bellboy was evidently very concerned that somebody would make off with his toothpaste <laughs> <laughs> owen yeah i mean we can't have that then you'd have to use i don't know baking soda like some sort of yeah. savage although this, um, this man is also like somebody who just like didn't bring any luggage to this hotel so like he doesn't seem all that organized well i mean the whole thing is just gonna get odder and odder so on the first day of owen's stay his floor was being cleaned by a maid named mary soptic she was the normal maid for this floor but she had the day off when owen arrived hotel maids for the record are still a thing very much a thing do not leave used condoms in your hotel room for them to find they have stressful enough lives (laughs) please please put those in the garbage um (laughs) Open the door to room service with your te- with your robe closed. Thank you. <laughs> oh God. Um. So a lot of the information we have about Roland T. Owen's bizarre behavior in the days before his death. I mean, spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. He dies. In case, in Just ca- in case you in were case thinking, you haven't figured it out. This this guy's the, this is the victim. <laughs> He's not long for this world. Um, he doesn't make yeah, it. Yeah, just in case <laughs> the mystery of 1026 was a delightful Rubik's Cube. It's not. It's murder. Mm. It's death. It, he's that's, the one who that's dies. That's the mystery. The mystery is this dude this dude biting it. <laughs> so most of the stuff we know about the incredibly bizarre behavior that led up to this death comes from her statement to the police. 
um, the the archives that I read from the Kansas City Library, the author literally just requested the case file from the police, and it's so old, they're not going to fight mm. him. So they just handed over the case file, because, frankly, whoever did this is dead anyway. Oh. Um, or an immortal being from a world beyond our own. Hey. In which case... That's unnecessary. What? I wasn't even in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Someday accuse the me of this shit. Come back to get you. <laughs> Someday I'm gonna have to replace you as host once the mothership returns for you. <laughs> Don't worry, the comet's not scheduled to arrive for another hundred years. Every now and then, you just gaze wistfully into the sky, <laughs> and I know, I know why. <laughs> God. So Mary knocked on the door at noon the day after and Owen let her in. And she was very surprised to see him because there'd been a woman staying in that room during her last shift. She offered to come back later, but Owen told her to just go ahead and clean, which is the most awkward fucking thing ever. Just clean while I watch you. I'll just sit here. Um, I'll just watch you clean. Yeah, I'll just watch. I'll just look. Don't don't mind me. Mm. Um, And he told her not to lock the door because he was expecting a friend in a few minutes. So... Every time she went, any staff member, anytime any staff went into the room during Owen's stay, he had all of the shades closed and all of the lights off except for the desk lamp, which really didn't cast that much light. So he just basically sat in the fucking dark for a couple of days. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she reported that Owen specifically went into the shadows whenever staff were around and appeared to be nervous or worried about something. So, like, this poor woman... Every day, just, like, walked into this room that was nearly completely dark while a dude stood in the shadows and watched her. Yeah. And watched her She was her just clean. cleaning, cleaning while a dude sits in the dark. That was pretty much it. And, I mean, the good news is she doesn't have to do it that many times. Um. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So, while she cleaned, he put his coat on, brushed his hair, which, uh, that's really the only thing he could do. I mean. That's all he brought. Did he also, like, (laughs) any report on whether he used the toothpaste? (laughs) There was no mention of the toothpaste. Toothpaste is, like, only mentioned again at the Mm. end. Well. It serves no significant role in this case. That we know know of. It's a cold case. (laughs) It's the murder weapon. (laughs) It's not. It's not. (laughs) It's really not um so he brushed his hair and left the room and he reminded Soptic that she should leave it unlocked for his friend which sure all right what are they gonna steal all right so Soptic went back to the room a couple hours later at 4 p.m to drop off fresh towels the room was still unlocked and dark and when she went in owen was just lying on top of the bed fully clothed just just chilling i'm feeling very as one does by your dismissive talk about like people who lie fully clothed on beds in the dark for days on end i'm feeling very judged (laughs) go to the doctor (laughs) i'm just saying that this is also what i do every time i'm in a hotel (laughs) does somebody come turn you so you don't get bed sores (laughs) how does this work i mean like i I do try to make the staff, like, to prevent them from getting uncomfortable, because I just, like, put do not disturb up signs up, but, like, they probably find it very odd, regardless. 
So they won't like walk in and be like, God damn it, it's my first hotel corpse. <laughs> I knew this day would come. I mean, it wouldn't be the but. first time I had been mistaken by for a corpse. <laughs> <sighs> the last time was in a library. <laughs> Maybe if we got you a puppy, it would help somehow. Maybe if we just get you a service dog. It doesn't do anything. It just warns people that there's something wrong. <laughs> Just, just warns them to be more cautious. Yeah, yeah. Well, like just, just put the dog instead of like those warning dog, dog, do not pet dog signs. Just like warning, do not approach human. <laughs> <laughs> the dog is just there, not not for you. The dog is there to protect the public. The dog is just there for appropriate signage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it would help. Mm. So when she walked in and saw him just lying on the bed, fully clothed, there she noticed that there was a note on the desk. Which read, Dawn, I will be back in 15 minutes. Wait. Real close relationship. Mm. Wait. I command mm. it. Just wait here. In my empty hotel yep. room that you're not renting. In the, in dark. the dark. So the thing is about the staff at this hotel. The staff all had pass keys that they could use to enter locked rooms and clean them, or do whatever the fuck mm. they had to do. But the pass key only worked if the room had been locked from the outside. If a door had been locked from the inside, staff could not get access. Mm. That seems like a good system. Well, it was done so that maids could enter rooms while the guests were away and avoid bursting in on them unexpectedly. Mm. If the pass key worked, it usually meant that a room was empty. Makes sense. So... Yeah, makes sense. So Soptic went. This is this is a recurring thing that um, shows up throughout this case. So when Soptic went to Owen's room the next day at ten thirty a.m. to clean it, her pass key worked. So she went inside and presumably shit herself when she saw Owen just sitting in the dark <laughs> in the room, just sitting in the dark, not doing anything. Um, and while she watched, the phone rang and he took a phone call and said, "No, Don, I don't want to eat. I am not hungry. I just had breakfast." There was a pause, and he said, no, I'm not hungry. I'm thinking Don's just his imaginary friend, but then... I don't... But Don can make a phone ring. But, but so Don can make a phone got, ring, so... He's got fingers, mm. I don't know. This isn't like a just day a and age where you can just, like, have a hidden cell phone, because they don't exist yet, and just be, like, calling yourself just to freak out the maid. <laughs> no, that level of crazy would not be invented for several decades. <laughs> um... But and only with my like, birth would it be perfected. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, dear God. Um, and Don apparently hungered for breakfast at 10.30, which means Don was presumably some sort of hobbit. <laughs> yes, and then he had levensies. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so after he hung up the phone, Owen started asking her questions about her maid job. How many rooms she was responsible for, whether she was in charge of the entire floor, whether or not the hotel had permanent residence, which was a thing people had back in the day. Mm. They would just sort of move into a hotel. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's rooms that, you can just, like, permanently rent. With that kind of room service, why wouldn't oh, you? Oh, absolutely. And they're cheap. <laughs> Especially back in the day. Mm. Um, he also complained about the previous hotel he'd stayed at, the Hotel de Flemme, um, which had charged... That's the one. Um, oh. He complained about it. <laughs> that was a joke. That wasn't like a literal hotel name. I thought like, I'm like, wow, that was he stayed at so many disappointing hotels. I'm very slow. <laughs> it is. What is it? Midnight where you are? One. 
No, one. That's right. I can subtract. Never mind. Of course, like it was. It was a four-hour time difference. My, uh, it still says two o'clock on my uh, <laughs> on my laptop. So, <laughs> how do you have a laptop with the wrong time? Get it together, it's from Alberta. And I didn't bother to change it. <laughs> you moved ages ago. I know. Four months. <laughs> it's on your to-do list. It's fine. It's really upsetting for people who are trying to figure out what time it is from, like, behind me. They just get very upset. <laughs> well, they should stop doing that. Yeah. I know your busy schedule of bathing in public fountains and howling at the moon keeps you busy. Yeah, well, I mean, like, we don't all all have, like, vibrant, you know, vibrant lives in the big city, you know, like, where we're constantly entertained. Some of us has to make our own fun. <laughs> My vibrant life of just wandering around midtown, <laughs> looking at things I can't afford. <laughs> We all have our own. I just blindly. Pleasures. I just walk around, and just if something in the distance looks famous, I just walk towards mm -hmm. it. Bright lights. Good hobby. It. Hooray! I moved here for the shiny mm -hmm. things, and the sticky things. Apparently, <laughs> um, usually both. God, this is just the stickiest place I've ever lived. Yeah. <laughs> they have all like those, like tons of those awnings, and like they never replace them or wash them. Oh, they just rot, and then you put up a new one. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so apparently the, the German monstrosity he'd stayed at charged some sort of premium price for interior rooms, which makes no sense. Do they hate windows in the 1930s? Yeah, like, what, what, like are, are, are half the people who, who rent hotel rooms vampires? What is this? <laughs> Hotels now specifically put elevator shafts in the middle of the hotel so that there are no interior rooms. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like... By design. By design, they try never to have interior rooms because they're just so unappealing to the average guest. Yeah, like, even motels have windows. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's why they're usually very long, but not particularly, you know, thick. Yeah. Or well, they have courtyards. Mm -hmm. um, so... He complained about this. Uh, Soptic finished cleaning and she left with the dirty towels. At four in the afternoon, she went back with clean towels from the laundry and she could hear two men speaking in the room, so she knocked on the door. A rough voice that was not Owen asked, Who is it? And when she explained that she was there to drop off the towels, he said, We don't need any, because, which is odd, because they definitely did. They were just going without towels. They had no need to dry themselves. We do know that that night, Roland T. Owen was visited by a prostitute. Oh. And not named or Don. Or we think we think that he was. Well, I mean, Don could Don could moonlight. Mm. Don could be a unisex name, I guess. <laughs> I've known many Dons. Not all of them were short mm. for Donald. Uh, most of them were men, though. Mm. All of them were still men. Um, <laughs> so the notes from this case contain the politest description of a prostitute that I've ever read. <laughs> So, as a quote from the elevator operator, because customer service and just too dumb to find the floor, mm. he said, I took a woman that I recognized as being a woman who frequents the hotel with different men in different rooms. It is my impression... <laughs> oh, yeah. It is my impression from this woman's actions that she is a commercial woman. <laughs> that is such a gentlemanly way of putting it. She is a commercial woman. I believe she is in business. She, of, of a sort. She has, she has a certain employment. 
I wouldn't want in the, to in the company of gentlemen. Frequently found in the company of various gentlemen who happen to have bring her to their rooms for approximately <laughs> five minutes at a time. It's you know, I, don't know. I would almost say that she es- escorts them there. Yeah. <laughs> Some sort of paid companion. Yeah. Uh, she's um, a nice lady who comes here at night. A lady of the night, if you will. <laughs> She's a hooker. <laughs> She's a tart. <laughs> t- t- wow, too far. Mm. <laughs> Harlot. Uh, whore. Jezebel. <laughs> Tramp. Trollop. <laughs> Trollop is a word that I'm genuinely sad went out of common oh usage. Trollop. Trollop is an archaic word now. It's not even in most dictionaries, yeah. but it is an excellent insult. I just love like old-timey, silly-sounding words like to use to insult insult women seen as promiscuous. Like one of my favorites is floozy. <laughs> because they're Floozies. old en- they're old enough that they sound silly and they've lost all their bite. <laughs> It feels like a discontinued soft drink from the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's like it's like or or like some kind of like odd children's toys. Like, yeah, it's a new it's a new Mattel floozy. <laughs> <laughs> All the kids are talking about it. Oh man, Jimmy, your dad bought you a floozy? Wow, you're so lucky. <laughs> it's like a razor scooter that you get bored of after two uses. <laughs> <laughs> God. Something that's really excited for about like five minutes, and then you immediately, immediately lose all interest, and it just like gathers dust in your attic. Is that not what a prostitute is? Mm, similar. <laughs> Less dust. Entirely novelty value. <laughs> Tend to be more of a basement storage than an attic. Yeah, that's an entirely <laughs> different type of murder mystery, though. Oh, good. Uh, no, this woman does not end up dead. So she asks the operator. You. Yeah, good for her. She asked the elevator operator about room 1026, but when she got there, the person she was looking for wasn't there. She mm. then wondered if she was at the wrong room and started looking around at rooms where she could see a light on. Apparently, she went towards room t- 1024 because she could see the light on. There were windows above the the doors. You know, nowadays, they would not let this woman into a hotel room. Like, it would be very no, they, difficult nowadays. To, they like, don't let strangers just yeah, wander in and start knocking on doors. just to wander about. And to not have a specific purpose to go in there yeah they have they have some more questions for you now um so she was on the 10th floor for around 30 to 40 minutes and then she left the hotel returning an hour later with a different man Mm. um she and the man went to the ninth floor and the woman then they don't they lost track of them at that point the woman left the hotel at 4 a.m the man then left 15 minutes later and neither of them have ever been identified Mm. Um, so the police in the original case wonder if she might not have been looking for room 1046 and simply mixed up the numbers and said she was looking for 1026. At least a handful of newspaper reports on the story made the exact same mistake. Mm. So, unclear so it's ent- what she was up to. So it's entirely plausible confusion. Yeah. Um, I'll get into this later when I'm talking about witness statements, but there was also the sound of some sort of argument coming from room 1026 or 1046 that night. Um, a woman who was staying next door in the next room um, reported that she heard men and women speaking and then she heard the sounds of an argument and then later around four o'clock in the morning she heard what she described as drunken snoring so 
There was something going on that night. I mean, she's a woman in the 30s. She knows what drunken snoring sounds like. Even if she's never seen a man's nipples. <laughs> it's the stages of intimacy. It's it's your dad's snoring and then your husband's nipples. Mm. That's when you become a woman. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a weird time to be alive. <laughs> it's weird. God, what a horrifying time to be alive, though. You just, you go into your wedding night just totally unprepared. Mm. Oh, Nowadays, no. by your wedding night, you have seen at least 437 penises. This is... Whether you wanted to or not. <laughs> yeah, just involuntarily on the internet. You're just, oh, oh, oh penis. God. Uh. Oh, there they are. Oh, it's another penis. Oh, God. Yeah, another like, one. Uh, it's is like it a, a fucking penis? Oh, yeah, it's a penis. <laughs> swaying kelp forest of dicks. <laughs> but, like... Back then, you just had no warning. It's just, you're just going about your life, and you just, you marry Prince Charming, and you're just all set to live happily ever after, and then you go back to the hotel room on your wedding night, and just, bah, there's just <laughs> penis. It's the <laughs> first goddamn just looking at you. And I, I think we can all agree that, like, that would be a startling, con- like, male genitalia is a startling concept to be introduced to- for the first Suddenly. time. Suddenly. At the age Suddenly, of 18. With no warning. It's, it's just out of nowhere. It's not you want to be surprised by. Surprise penis is the worst kind of penis. Your whole life, you've just been sheltered. You've just been playing with dolls and, and Never baking cookies and skipping through the woods with your friends. And just, ah, God, there's just testicles. <laughs> ah, just there. It's just like, just, it's you... like Ken didn't come equipped like this. He's just smooth No one there. warned you. No one warned you. No one told you. If if they did, they you just lived they didn't your life just... in ignorance. If if they were if you were given a hint of what was coming, they just they didn't describe the smell. Mm. <laughs> people bathed less back then. This 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 has grown into a gross podcast. We're, we're moving on. You're actually I think I... worse than me for once. <laughs> Somebody's got to take over, pick mm. up the slack. Yeah, this just, is not. I haven't been this is not egging duties. you on. This is not egging you on. No, 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 <laughs> no. I need to be more disturbing with my descriptions of penises. <laughs> Absolutely not. You don't encounter that many of them in your day-to-day life. Like a bald child in a base sweater. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> like a sad sea cucumber. <laughs> and I'm gay. Right now. Just all of a sudden. Just out of nowhere. Yep. It's just lesbian it is. here to embrace you. <laughs> Good. With no penises or horrible descriptions of them. <laughs> oh my god. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I was looking for subject matter for nightmares. There we are. Found it. Season. Na, na, na. <laughs> Fuck. Now with a penis. Now with a raging heart on. Excellent. Um, so the staff's final encounters with Roland T. Owen took place on Friday, the last day of his stay. So, buckle up, kids, because it's going to get really weird. anywhere, really. Yeah, no, his last, the final stay on Earth. Um, so, Della Ferguson was a he telephone operator. He checked out permanently. Did, oh, man, we made it so far into this episode without a checked out pun. And you just, <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't just, get to the end. Couldn't do it. Could Hotel not manage California. it. You can check out any time of your life, but you can never leave. I I can't leave this Skype call. Mostly. <laughs> I'm stuck. Fucking, we're on this ride together. Um, so, Della... 
Now I have to live with it. Yeah. I could always assassinate you. True. It's still an option. True. You have many agents in many places. I assume I could accomplish this by just sending you a toaster without instructions or supervision. <laughs> and just let nature take its course. <laughs> just hand you a butter knife and point to a plugged in toaster. <laughs> just 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 send me Play-Doh and like make sure it's not the uh make sure it's not the sa- it's the, 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 the the mouth safe kind. Just, just rub some flavor on a battery. <laughs> All set. Mm. Um, so Della Ferguson was a telephone operator at the hotel, which is not a job anymore. Mm. That was a real job That's once upon a, a time. That's not a thing anymore. Um, uh, so she took over the board at around seven o'clock in the morning and right away she noticed that the phone in 1046 was off the hook. So <laughs> it was just rocking. Just, just, oh, off the chain. <laughs> just a wild um, time. Mixing our metaphors. <laughs> so... For our younger listeners, uh, phones used to be long plastic things. They were not always little pieces of glass. They used to hook them to walls. <laughs> they did. In 1935, you had to literally hang up the phone. It would be on a stand, and there would be a little hook, and you would have to hang it there, or the line would stay open and no one could call you, mm. which was bad, because that was all they had. It was, all, it was it. It was that, or carrier pigeon. Yeah. Is this um, or smoke signals? And he's in an interior room. He can't see them. Yeah, it's going to be a real struggle. Um, So once the phone had been off the hook for 10 minutes, the operator arranged for a bellboy to go upstairs and tell the occupant to fix his fucking phone. Mm. Bellboy, for the record, still a real job. Not a great job, but still a real job. Only at fancy hotels, too. Mm. When you're checking into the Super 8, do not expect a bellboy. You will if if you're waiting for a bellboy to take your luggage, you wait in vain. <laughs> you can get a wobbly cart that's got a fucked up wheel. Yeah. You can do it yourself. <laughs> um so the bellboy who went up happened to be the same bellboy who had checked Owen and his toothpaste into the hotel. So the do not disturb sign was up, but he still knocked, then he waited and he knocked again. A deep voice from within the room said come in, but the door was still locked and nobody opened it. He knocked again, and the voice told him, turn on the lights, which doesn't make a ton of sense. Oh, no, that's, um, oh, that's unsettling. A little unsettling. Just a deep voice telling him, turn on the lights, and then refuses to unlock the door. Turn on the lights. Mm-hmm. Come in. Nope, I'm good. So like, he tried. Just like, oh, this is the beginning of a horror movie, and I'm gonna go now. <laughs> just board up 1046. Just nail it shut. Just cask of Amontillado. Just build a wall. It's just like, all right, uh, death lives within. Um. <laughs> and brick the door. Brick the door. Um, so he tried knocking seven or eight more times, but nobody answered or unlocked the door. So he became very frustrated, and he shouted, put the phone back on the hook through the door. And then he went downstairs. So the bellboy told the operator that the occupant of the room was probably just incredibly drunk because it was 1935 and it was a Friday. Yeah, everyone is incredibly drunk at this point. Just all the time. I don't even need to give Constantly. them weekday or time of day. They're just they're just drunk. Yeah, like the variation between weekday and and weekend is just like very drunk or just kind of drunk. 
The only time they stop drinking is when they just eat raw pieces of lard. Oh, absolutely. Like, this is genuinely, like, not even joking, a time and day where, like, people would have a pint during their break (laughs) on their, like, construction job. The only acceptable reason to stop drinking was to have a cigarette. To briefly inhale. (laughs) That's it. That's all you got. Like, people used to drink alcohol the same way that, like, that, like, Olympic swimmers take breaths during, like, during the breaststroke. (laughs) (laughs) You just, just a quick cough for air. Just one, two, three. One, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) Perfectly acceptable. (laughs) Healthy, even. (laughs) You don't want to get too much air in your lungs. It'll poison you. Bad for you. Mm. Seems unhealthy. (laughs) You're six now, son. It's time for your first beer. (laughs) Here, have a cigar while you're at it. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) No cocaine until you're 18. No, not even. They gave cocaine to babies so they would- Oh, absolutely. To treat their Stop teething. Never mind. All right, you're two weeks old. It's time for your first hit. Yeah, like, yeah, like, that was the treatment for colic, which was just heroin. <laughs> oh, yeah, we would just, you can't cough if you're in a coma. <laughs> oh, boy. It's really easy to be a parent if your baby sleeps for 16 hours at a time while they come down. Man, uh, my mom must be jealous. Just like, ah, uh, something say, I think to they shut had- them up parenting figured out it was black tar heroin that was the key um just a hit of the good shit that'll keep little timmy down this is reason like 837 i'm glad you were not in a heterosexual monogamous relationship (laughs) the possibility that you would have to raise children you know like some people find asexuality off-putting or like or, or like think it's odd most people, upon realizing that I'm just utterly, utterly repulsed by human sexuality, they're just genuinely relieved. <laughs> they are comforted by that thought. <laughs> oh my god, because you raising children is just a waking nightmare. <laughs> Who needs a child leash when you can just put him in a regular old gimp mask and dog collar? <laughs> That way, they can't bite people. It's really hard to find a gimp mask that small. Oh, God. (laughs) You fucking psycho. (laughs) Yeah, there's a reason that doesn't come in fucking child size. You have a hard time finding cock rings for toddlers. (laughs) Same reason. Holy shit, I am in rare form. It's after four o'clock in the morning. (laughs) I've killed Jessica. Naughty, naughty Janelle. <laughs> Dear God. I'm gonna have to change my name if I want a career. I think, you've won, I think you've won the most disturbing joke of the podcast this week. Yay! Contest. Yeah, the trophy is made out of shame. <laughs> See, I'm pretty sure I won last week with the... Oh, well... Last month, last, <laughs> last podcast, month. with the joke about like how you should kill your Oma for the sake of, for the sake of Israel. <laughs> I always forget what jokes we've made just because we've we've had hours and hours of these podcast recordings, and then every now and then, well, somebody will just text me something horrific that I said, and it all just floods back. <laughs> it's just like, oh right, I am an awful person, like a fucking nom flashback. Yep. 
Yep. That came Great. out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, good. Good. My political re- career is in shambles. Mm. See, usually someone will text me something I've said, and I'm just like, that's hilarious. Who said that? <laughs> like telling jokes to a dolphin. <laughs> I am a human goldfish. Oh, good. Good. Um, so the bellboy, back to this case, uh, told the operator, the occupant, yeah, probably just drunk. It's 1935, and it's an hour of the day. Of mm. course he's drunk. So by 8.30, the phone was still off the hook, and so a second bellboy went up to try to fix the problem. He got the door open with the passkey, which- sending waves of bellboys. Just wanted- the like first guy is still invaders. too angry. He's mm. too angry. The space- nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Um, so the second bellboy was able to get the door open with his passkey, which, to review, means that it had been locked from the outside, which was really strange because he was in the room. Mm. So somebody else had locked it. Um, there was no light on in the room, and the only illumination was from the outside. So even the little dinky desk lamp wasn't on. It was just the light from the hallway. Um, Creepy. So Owen, Owen was lying complete, completely naked on the bed, surrounded by dark splotches in the bedclothes that the bellboy assumed were shadows. Dun, dun, da. Ooh, yeah. yeah, we can kind of see where this is going. Hoped. So he probably just no, wasn't I, looking too hard because it's just like oh, he wasn't acres of man butt. <laughs> too much man butt. Oh, there's a penis. We we just talked about this. Just <laughs> unexpected penis. Just in your face. Just, unexpected oh, God. penis is just something you don't want to run into on a regular basis during your job. It's just I just it's a particularly bad imagine... time for it. I don't, I don't. I just can't imagine what it's like to be a man. You just get undressed. And you're like, oh god, oh, there's a penis just right there, just right there. Fuck. You right just in my find fucking face. Shocked repeatedly throughout your life. Just oh god, what is that thing? Constantly oh. ambushed. <laughs> it's following me. Mm. Um, you were haunted by your own anatomy. <laughs> fuck. Um, so the telephone stand was knocked over, and the phone was on the floor, which was sort of the source of the problem. So the original. Uh, so the bellboy presumably did not want to spend any more time in the proximity of Owen's naked butt. <laughs> he picked up the telephone stand, he hung up the phone, and then left, assuming that Owen had just passed out drunk. Which again is like, it's an incredibly dangerous thing to actually pass out drunk on your back on the bed. Mm. They're a little more blasé in 1935. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, of course he doesn't look too close. Like, this guy is like, it's dark. He doesn't want to turn the light on because, like, he's already seen way more than he ever wanted to. Uh, <laughs> but also because, like, you're a bellboy, you're supposed to defer to the guests. And, like... And this guest wants to sleep naked. And this guest wants to sleep naked. So it's like, you, you, he wants to get out of there, he wants to go home. It's, like, nighttime. <laughs> Be gone. He has seen enough... It, like, No, this is 8.30 in the morning. Oh, is it? Gosh. Yeah. Well, it's too early for that anyway. It is, <laughs> yeah. it is too early for 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 random penis. Yeah, it's not a good time. Random penis is like an it's an afternoon to early evening thing. Yeah, like like you got to like, be fully alert. Yeah, it you, you got to be you got to be ready. You got to be on your toes. Like reflexes finely tuned. Any time before 10 is just way too early for to be be a uh, uh, ambushed by flaccid cock. No, nope, it's just it's not just, gonna do it for me. Not it's, it's not the right time of day. You, I want to at least have breakfast first. 
and I want to keep that breakfast. I got to digest. Mm. Like, I just, like, it, it sits in your stomach when you just get surprised like that. I hate it. Um, so at approximately 10.30 to 10.45 that morning, the operator noticed that the phone was off the hook again. So the original bellboy, the one who, you know, toothpaste guardian, mm. went up and he knocked three times on the door with no response. So he then opened the door with his passkey. And here's what he told the police. This, we'll just go from his direct quote. When I entered the room, this man was within two feet of the door on his knees and elbows, holding his head in his hands. I noticed blood on his head. I then turned the light on and placed the telephone receiver on the hook. They really, they prioritize the telephone above all p- human safety. <laughs> There's a man on the floor bleeding. To the telephone. <laughs> right, first Not my- to call for help, just to hang it up. First my atten- first my appointed task. <laughs> <laughs> they are determined um, to finish the main quest. <laughs> yeah, their side side quest can wait. I will I will collect eight lizard gizzards later, <laughs> <laughs> or help this bleeding man. He's just an NPC I don't need right now. Mm-hmm. Um. So he says I placed the telephone receiver on the hook. I looked around and saw blood on the walls, on the bed, and in the bathroom. This frightened me, and I immediately left the room and went downstairs. So well, it didn't frighten you enough to make you not tell hang up the telephone first. <laughs> just a ton of help. Just, mm. just I am frightened. Goodbye, bleeding man. <laughs> so helpful. Farewell. Uh, good day. Yep. <laughs> what well, I'm feeling absolutely, absolutely, absolutely terrified. I I suppose I'll see you around. Good day to you, sir. Good day. I said good day. <laughs> So some of the newspapers from the time reported that um, he'd walked in and found Owen sitting on the edge of the bathtub, but I'm probably going to take the bellboy's word on this one. Yeah. He told yeah. the cops he was on the floor. <laughs> yeah, like, the, 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 the newspapers have made numerous errors about the case. We'll, j- we'll go with what the police said about it. Journalistic integrity has been a long work in progress. Yeah. Again, like Janelle's success as a human being, it has been a slow crescendo. <laughs> <laughs> We're still getting there. Still mm. getting there. We're working our way um, out. <laughs> it's going to be a while. So the bellboy wasn't a completely useless tit. And he um, went out and fetched two other staff, including the assistant manager. Because apparently, I don't know if this doesn't qualify for a manager. This needs to go up the, the chain of command a bit. I don't right, know if like the... the... We need just the manager, maybe? Yeah. Like, can the guy in charge... I don't... I mean, like, maybe the hotel owner's not on the premises, but can at least the manager pay attention to this? <laughs> like, this doesn't seem yep. like the sort of thing you should delegate. <laughs> yep. So, th- they rushed up, and they rushed to the scene. This time, though, they were only able to get the door open a few inches because Owen had collapsed on the other side of it. Oh, Bad boy. Owen. Yeah, not good. Naughty, naughty Owen. If you're going to, like, pass out from blood loss, aim to not do it against a door so that nobody can help you. That's the really frustrating thing that I see with a lot of people who are heavily bleeding in hotel rooms. It's just like, come They just collapse on. in the door. Just Be constantly. respectful. Keep the doorways open. Like, allow appropriate flow in and out of people. I mean, if you want people to help you, you gotta meet them halfway. <laughs> and not like just be halfway to the door needs. after leaving a streak of blood. You just ruin the carpet. I mean, bleed out all you want, but don't be rude about it. Um, so the police were called. But obviously. it is interesting that like he's alive at this point. 
He's very much alive at this point. Mm. So the police were called and they managed to get into the room. Because, yes. Mm. Um, they had to eventually. And it was not good. So Owen had been bound at the neck, wrists, and ankles with cord. And he showed obvious signs of having been tortured. He'd sustained multiple stab wounds and knife wounds to his chest, one of which had actually punctured his lung. Um, he had been beaten on the right side of his head repeatedly, and the right side of his skull was actually fractured. And then That's there was a ring of buff out. Yeah, it's it's if you're gonna fracture something, I don't know, pick a toe maybe. Yeah, like probably not the skull. You know, so not inconsiderate. So inconsiderate. Your brain is a fragile, fleshy hump of jello. Yeah. It is, as previously discussed on this podcast, repeatedly, actually. Yeah, the gelatinous nature of brain matter. Yeah. <laughs> we have some running themes. It is It is a mold of jello inside your skull. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, jello. There was also, there was a ring of bruises around his neck, which indicated that he had been strangled. Um, Seems a bit excessive. As, I mean, like, strangle him and stab him? You know, make up yeah, your they mind. Yeah, went, they went full Rasputin. I'm surprised mm. he wasn't floating face down in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> so, there Find was blood all over the Just gotta be sure, man. We gotta be sure. Um, so, there was blood all over the bed, all over the wall next to the bed, and there was blood on the goddamn ceiling. <laughs> and... I don't, like, I don't know that you realize this, but, like, you you have to be pretty violent to get blood on the ceiling. I mean, I'm notorious for having gotten tomato soup on the ceiling, but, uh, never gonna live that down. I assume the tomato soup was not pumped on the ceiling from the last beats of a man's failing heart. <laughs> I mean, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know me. You don't know how I cook. <laughs> Um, it's an old recipe, traditional, from the old country. And by the old country, I mean somewhere around Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> Someday your ship will come. <laughs> um, but typically blood on the ceiling is an indication of uh, very passionate stabbing. The, the blood doesn't actually come from the victim. Oh, it yeah, comes it from flicks the off the knife. Killer, yeah, it comes from the knife. When the killer draws the knife back over their head, or the draw, just draws the knife up quickly... Blood splatters on the ceiling. Mm. Um, so a doctor arrived, and he cut the cords off of Owen's wrists. So I guess the rest of them were just sort of standing around, like looking at him. <laughs> he was like, wow, that guy sure is tied up. <laughs> Someone should help that man. Quick, call the doctor. Just absolutely useless. <laughs> the doctor's just like, oh, don't know why you need me, this, me for this. <laughs> took six years of medical school to cut a piece of cord off a man's wrists. Mm. People just don't... People really were dumber then. (laughs) I'm not sure that you even needed, like, six years of medical school to be a doctor back then. I'm pretty sure you just needed access to a lab coat. (laughs) You just have to be white and have a mustache. (laughs) Just confidence will get you far. Do you have a stethoscope? You're hired. (laughs) Fuck. Um, so yeah... At this point, the victim was still alive, but he was definitely circling the drain. Yeah. Um, so once the doctor had cut off his um, the cords off of his wrists, he immediately turned on the bathtub. I guess he really prioritized hygiene? Mm. The doctor Super then shut important. it off. He went straight for the bathtub nozzle, man. Mm, well, I mean, you'd hate um, to be dirty while you're trying to, like... Bleed been, to death. When you bleed to death. Oh, well. So, here's where it gets kind of strange. 
The police asked who had been in the room with him, and he said nobody. They then asked how he managed to become so mangled, and he said, and I'm being serious, I fell against the bathtub. Oops. Fell against the bathtub? And sustained multiple knife wounds to the chest. I hate it when that happens. So what is this, like, Chicago, he had it coming, like, you know, like, I fell in the bathtub. I fell in the bathtub ten times. Like, (laughs) doesn't everybody keep a block of knives pointed outwards on the edges of their bathtub? Yeah, like, how did you stab yourself on the bathtub? Did the bathtub strangle you? (laughs) Did the bathtub tie you up first? (laughs) Show me on the doll where the bathtub hurt you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is a very violent bathtub. It's incredibly violent. I've heard that bathrooms the bathroom is one of the most dangerous places in the house, but I it is. Turns out the combination of water and slippery, and also that is where you like to hold sharp things to your skin, Mm -hmm. uh, are just they're not good. Yeah, it's a bad combination. <laughs> we as humans should not be trusted with any of those duties. Yeah. Stepping out of the shower, shaving, no. Yeah. Want to prefer, for, perform some yoga with laser be- razor blades? Yeah, yeah, shave your legs. <laughs> oh, God. Wet yoga it's with a... razor blades. It's insane. Yeah, I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> what was, else could I be referring to? <laughs> that was a mental blue screen of death. <laughs> I was like, hang on. Is this Jessica describing her weekend? <laughs> I, I don't shave my legs, so I understand why you, you might not have understood what I was describing from my own experiences. <laughs> I was very confused. Um, um, so police also asked Owen if he had made a suicide attempt, which, I mean... Come on, man. He was found tied up. I always tie myself up before stabbing myself repeatedly in the chest and then breaking the side of my head. Absolutely. Maybe Uh. it was just a really embarrassing form of... This was just like autoerotic asphyxiation and they just caught him at a bad time. (laughs) Some people are more extreme than others. Yeah. Don't kink shame. (laughs) God. Well, I mean... He was he was asked if he had made a suicide attempt and he said no before slipping into unconsciousness. And to be clear, he did not wake up again. So maybe if a kink is fatal, it's okay to kink shame a little bit. <laughs> it's it's not exactly safe, sane, and consensual. <laughs> no. Um they probably should have spent less time interrogating him and more time doing CPR or yeah. like ensuring that he doesn't bleed to death. But Owen was rushed to a nearby hospital where he did, in fact, die. Mm. So he passed away just after midnight in the early hours of January 5th, 1935. What's interesting, though, is that the doctors estimated that the wounds had been inflicted around seven to eight hours before he was discovered, based on the crustiness of the blood both at the scene and on Owen's body, which placed Owen's actual time of attack at around four o'clock in the morning the night before. That is odd. Yeah, dude had a bad morning. Jeez. I hate being woken up that early. Just like, oh, can you just stab me later? God, and then I'm like somebody tired. comes in and you're trying to have a nap, spread eagle naked on the bed. Oh my god. Somebody else comes in when you're trying to have your door nap. It just it sucks. <laughs> All of it sucks. It's just like people really do underestimate the importance of a good night's sleep. <laughs> I'm I'm starting to appreciate that. Mm. Um it, but on the other hand, hallucinations. It's like drugs, but it's free. Mm. All you have to do is ruin your frontal lobes. 
Um, it's like a free trip. <laughs> God. Doesn't cost nearly as much as drugs. Well, I have a lot more notes on the bizarreness of... Well, that's long gone. Yeah. I said the phrase, I believe, toddler-sized cock rings <laughs> on this podcast, so dignity is just in the rearview mirror getting smaller <laughs> by the moment. <laughs> that time is long past. God. What, um, I have a lot more notes on the investigation into the death and all of the bizarreness that happened with the funeral, but we are already running at uh, an hour and 37 minutes by my clock. Mm. And I think this is as good a place as any to end off for the night. Yes. So we also because I have so many scheduled nightmares to have about a dump pineapple with a fully erect penis <laughs> doing blade yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> so we hope that you've enjoyed this week's Fat French and Fabulous and that you have some pleasant nightmares. I've... And that you don't die in a hotel room. That most of all. I've been Jessica. <laughs> I have been Janelle. And we are fat, fat French, French, and, and fabulous. fabulous. That was our best timing in a while. Mm. <laughs> We're never going to do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fat, French, and Fabulous. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Tune in next week for the second part of the mystery of room 1046. Find out what happened. Uh, if you guys would like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter at FatFrenchFab. Please consider rating and reviewing us or recommending us to a friend so that more people can find us. Be gone! <laughs> <laughs>